0: wonderful to be here today this is kind of like home we come here for ministers conference every year and then having so many people from our office here today and having uh, Jeff and Amy's families here today and uh, so what a very very special day to be back with the Maddox and the Brust. all of these are incredible people um, if you'll not tell anybody, especially Life Church 180, this is one of the greatest churches in Indiana. <laughs> I want to give recognition. I'd like for these individuals to stand Jeff Nagel, who chaired this board and transition team, Phil, Matt, Malcolm, and Jeremy. You know who you are. Would you stand to your feet if you're all here? Over here. Amen. Great job. Uh, I don't know how long ago it was that I drove over here to meet with these guys. One lady or two ladies cooked and left it in the oven. And I walked to this house that was backed by a big barn no road signs, no numbers. I thought, Jesus, where am I? And, uh, and I, you know, you're not supposed to do this as a preacher, but I went up to the house and peeked in the window, and I saw the table was set for just the right amount of people. I said, I'm at the right place. <laughs> I have looked in windows before as a preacher. Uh, you know, when you knock on the door, and they're scurrying around, and I can see them putting away their stuff that they're not supposed to have, you know? And uh, and I uh, walked in there, and and I walked in one day, and a lady was sitting on the couch. Walked right into her house, and she was laid back on the couch. She said, "Come in," and I came in, and she was smoking. Now I'm not I'm not telling you you're going to hell for your smoking, but this is just what happened. And she was smoking, and she saw me, and she stuck that cigarette down in the couch. And I thought this is going to be a short visit. <laughs> I got to get out of here before we get burned to death. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I wish I'd have looked through the window that day. But when I, when I got to this home to meet these men, um, and Jeff, where are you, Jeff? Jeff, uh, Byron's your older brother, is that correct? Byron uh, was, at that moment, one of my favorite board members of all of Indiana and Madison, Indiana. And he stood for his church. He stood for Jesus in a board meeting. That was a very difficult board meeting. And Byron stood tall. And we honored him at one of our district councils. And he has since went home to be with the Lord. And when I found out Jeff was Byron's brother, I just loved him already. (laughs) Because of Byron, who was such a great man of God. And and then they said, uh, it's going to be about a half an hour. You know, it's, it's nighttime. I don't know what people think. You know, they want me to come at night meetings. Like, we have to work during the day. So do I. So do I. So I was coming over there late at night, you know, and, and they said, it's going to be about half an hour to warm up dinner. And I said, which one of you guys prepared devotions? And they all kind of hung their head. I said, you're a good board member, just like every board member I've ever met. And so I said, but I got devotions prepared. And uh, we cried and prayed together and had a wonderful time. And I just want to tell you, That night was probably, and I've done this about 280 times in 18 and a half years, was probably the most spiritual, meaningful, impactful times in my life with your leaders from this church. So give it up again for these great men and women of God who have led you. And I want to say thank you. We just finished district council uh, last uh, Monday and Tuesday The house was full of individuals who were recognized for our school of ministry, people who were certified, people who were licensed. We had 18 ordination candidates, and two of them came from this church. I want them to stand, and I want you to recognize them. Ordained this year at the 76th Indiana District Council, Pastor Michael Ivey and Pastor Mike Whitehead. Would you stand, and would you say congratulations on your ordination? God bless you both. How awesome. That's a wonderful acknowledgement. I'm going to ask if the uh, Bruss would come to the platform. Pastor Ted and Sue, long-term, long-time friends. And uh, I remember coming here for the ribbon cutting for this building. Uh, Pastor Bruss was good friends with my uh, wife's father who pastored for 40 years. And uh, we're real close when they were in Nebraska. And it's an honor that you would come today and be here in this service. And I'm glad you're here. I don't want to be the... uh... Amen. Amen. Love you. Love you, Pastor. Love you guys. Love guys Love you. amen it's so awesome these are these are some of the kindest people in all the world for sure and i didn't want to be the oldest person here so i'm so glad you guys came uh and and uh so you're walking a little slow you you walk like i'm walking right now so that made me feel at home but you're but you're getting better and uh, i want you to just bring greeting he said i'll just be brief but you know what he can do whatever he wants it's not going to shorten what I say at all, but he can do whatever he wants. Amen. I'll let my wife speak first. She always does. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, it's so wonderful to be back home in Indiana and with you wonderful friends and family. Yes. You have always been so meaningful to us. And I thank you for those who have prayed over this last surgery. I'm doing great. A week ago today, Good I day. could hardly get out of bed, and I was not able to walk, and I've got two matching shoes on today. So I'm really <laughs> thankful. Praise the Lord. We're so thrilled with the wonderful maturity that's happening. Uh, prayer, Ted and I have prayed over all of you for over 24 years now. Well, we have prayed that you would be rooted and established in the faith. Amen. And that is what we are seeing, just awesome things going on in your lives And we just pray for you always and that this will be a great harvest field coming up. And we're so excited for you, Brother and Sister Carlson. Pastor Carlson, (laughs) how wonderful that the Lord has called you here. Pastor Jeff and I were in the same ordination class. And we sat outside the door of the big presbytery room there at the district office. I was so nervous and I probably was just chattering away to Pastor Jeff and he would just kind of nod at me. (laughs) I was nervous, but it was a fun time and a wonderful honor to be ordained in the same class as your new pastor. So God bless every one of you. I hope I get to hug a bunch of you before we leave today.
2: It's awesome to come back and to have memories of the past and all the great times we've had together. Sue and I are so thankful for this congregation. I told Brother Don here that I felt this was the best church and not only Indiana, but the whole country, to be honest with you. Because we've traveled enough to realize that when you come across a group like this, this is unique, it's special, and God is doing something here he's not doing it everywhere, but he's doing it here. So if you're a new person looking for a church home, jump right in here and enjoy what God is doing. Right, Jeff? Because God has great things in store. I do believe that uh, the, great, the better days are ahead, awesome days are ahead, and we're thankful for the new pastors and what a great heart they have for you and the church and the congregation as well as the community. And so uh, it's our prayers will be supporting you as well. And I can't say enough about Zach and Shelly, what wonderful couple they've been. And great job they've done in serving as well. Right there they are. I was looking for them earlier. And uh, so God, God has been good. He always brings the right person to the right time for such a time as this. And this is your time. And this is your time to do some great things for the kingdom. So, team up as Pastor mentioned a while Join with him, commit with him. Great things will happen. And we're anxious to hear of all the wonderful things in the future that will take place here at Connection Point Church. God bless you. We love you so much.
0: Thank you, Ted. Thank you very much. Thank you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, folks. What wonderful people. I'm going to ask Pastor Zach and Shelly to come, and they're going to just express their heart and then gonna share a moment of passing of the baton. I brought a baton, but I said to myself, you know, I won't need this because knowing Zach, he will have the one that Ted gave him. (laughs) I mean, he's like Mr. Organization. And, 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 and when he saw that about Tony he said, "I don't need that." I said "I knew I, I knew it wouldn't." But uh, so we love you, and uh, we're going to ask uh, Pastor Jeff and Amy to come also to the platform and just express your heart and whatever the Lord Amen. wants to say. And I just want to say this to the church, pray with them. I, I know this because I heard him say it at a district council. he's around 70 percent of his budget, so may the next 30 percent come in right away.
3: Amen. 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 <laughs> So we are very grateful um, to you guys. And what Pastor Ted is saying and what you hear Pastor Jeff saying, it's true. This really is a very unique church. And we felt that when we were here and we were your pastors. Now we get to travel around from different churches. And we know even more how wonderful (laughs) you are and how special you are. And, you know, all through this, you know, the last year of our transition, you know, we kept saying to ourselves, okay, the deacons are saying they want to send us. What does that look like? Well, how do you walk in that? How do you walk out this process of being sent and not just feeling like you're leaving? And, of course, there's lots of feelings of feeling like you're leaving a place. But to be sent is very significant. And as we go into different churches— Everyone wants to know what's going on at Connection Point Church that sends out their lead pastor. And we're like, it's a great church. I mean, what can you say? (laughs) It's a great church, right? And so people want to know about you. People want to know who you are and what's going on here. And so it gives us such a confidence to feel like we're at a different church, but we've been sent there by you and you want to know where we are, and you want to know how it's going, and you're praying for us, and you're believing for us to get to Morocco quickly. And so I do want you to know it feels fast. (laughs) It feels very fast. I feel like wind is blowing through my hair right now, and we're just going at a very rapid pace. And so right now, we're really believing the Lord's going to get us there before Christmas. So you can believe with us, That as we take steps of faith, you know, just do the next right thing. That's still our mantra. We're going to continue to do the next right thing. And so we thank you for giving. We thank you for sending us. We thank you for allowing us to be a part of something unique and different. And uh, we're just going to continue to trust the Lord. And we can't wait to see you in Morocco. Amen.
4: (laughs) Truly, thank you for for coming with us. Because that's what we feel like. Ascending church goes with them. And so thanks for coming with us. I wanted to give two encouragements this morning, one to congregation, one to Carlsons. So if you have your Bibles, I'm just kidding. I had to say it this morning, though. (laughs) Pastor Don's bringing the word. I'm going to read from an old dead guy instead. So J.B. Phillips, a contemporary of C.S. Lewis, he wrote a translation of Paul's letters. And in his preface, I was going back through that, and it made me think of this church because of what we've talked about, who we are in God's kingdom, May you know who you are, because when you know who you are, you know what to do. But, but here's what he writes. As it relates to first century church, you know, we're living in an interesting time, challenging days, correct? But that's not new. And here's what he writes. He says, in the first century, there were no churches, no Sundays, no books about the faith. Many Christians today talk about the difficulties of our times. He writes this book shortly after World War II. So consider the context as though we should have to wait for better ones before the Christian religion can take root. It is heartening to remember that this faith took root and flourished amazingly in conditions that would have killed anything less vital in a matter of weeks. These early Christians were on fire with the conviction that they had become through Christ, literally sons and daughters of God. They were pioneers of a new humanity, founders of a new kingdom. That is who we are. Sons and daughters of God filled with his spirit to be able to change the world. And here's the part I love. So here's your takeaway this morning. Perhaps if we believed what they believed, we might achieve what they achieved. Within decades accused of turning the world upside down, within a couple of hundred years toppling the Roman Empire, we work from the inside out. That's what we do and that's who we are. So church, I, I challenge you stay committed to the mission of becoming authentic followers of Jesus. That's the mission of this church. And as you do, I firmly believe God will do what he wants to do globally in Pastor Jeff's language, right? Locally and globally, God's gonna do what he wants to do. So believing that for this church. And Pastor Jeff, we get to pass a baton. And I do have the baton that I received from Pastor Ted. There's a heritage there. But this one's special now. You're a part of a heritage, a heritage of a foundation that we got to launch out from. And we firmly believe the greatest days of connection point are yet ahead, that it's just been building, building, building to now. And so we are praying for you that God does mighty things through you as you lead, as you follow Jesus as a first follower, and others follow you as you follow Jesus. That's the goal of leadership. When I came to the church at the tail end of 2015, I asked my dad, who's a retired minister, what advice do you give? He said, pray. I waited. I said, okay, could you add to that? And he encouraged me. He said, daily as a pastor, I prayed Psalm 78:72 72, that I would shepherd with an upright heart Amen. and skillful hand. Amen. And so that's my admonition. I firmly believe that's been the mantra of all the pastors. Whether or not they prayed that prayer, I believe they led that way, that they shepherded with upright heart and skillful hand. And so that's our daily prayer for you. Know that Shelly and I truly do pray for your family daily, believing for wonderful days ahead for you, your family, and this church. And, And a couple of weeks ago, it dawned on me when I received the baton from Pastor Ted. So in my 20s, I was a math teacher, a high school math teacher, football and track coach. And I worked with sprinters. I worked with relay teams. And when I received the baton from Pastor Ted, we did a blind handoff. Okay, well, that's for sprinters, So thanks a lot, I ran like a six-year sprint. (laughs) And it felt that way sometimes. (laughs) But it was good, and we got to do it because of the foundation you laid, and I wanna say thank you. Um, What is happening today is because of the foundation that was laid by Brust's, Austin's, McKees, And so we're so thankful. God's doing wonderful things through this body. And if you're new to this body and don't even know that, I mean, we've got Bible studies everywhere and we're a part of local organizations and what's happening. So God's doing wonderful things and we've got people overseas, praise God. But I felt like I needed to do what is a distance runner's handoff with you because I am praying that you go the distance with upright heart and skillful hand. So it's not a blind handoff, it's an open handoff in case you're not, we're not a track runner you just got to hold out your hand and I pass it to you and that's it. Ready? Amen. Thank
0: you pastor. Thank you. Praise Thank you. the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you folks. God bless you. Going to ask Pastor Jeff and Amy to stay. Oh uh, will you help this young lady up the stairs please that boy's stronger than you he can do better come a little closer to me thank you we uh We have several things that we want to present to Pastor Jeff and to Pastor and to Amy today. And I want to read from 1 Peter chapter 5, and now a word to you who are elders in the church. I too, who am an elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ, and I too will share in the glory when he is revealed to the whole world. As a fellow elder, I appeal to you care for the flock of God that has been entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you will get out of it because you are eager to serve. Don't lord over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own example. And the great shepherd, when the great shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of glory that will never fade away and never end. And I want to read this blessing to you. And you can tell that I wrote this (laughs) not. not If you read my writing, you have to have the gift of interpretation. (laughs) Pastor Jeff and Amy, we're honored to share this day with you and the Connection Point Church. They have chosen the very best. And we have lost a huge part of us. Not totally, not totally. Must I say it again? But God always supplies our needs. May you speak a fresh word to this body from your secret place. May you be spirit led as you shepherd the flock entrusted to your care. May you and Amy together love and serve this congregation and community. Don't forget us. And I know you won't, because I'll be calling you. (laughs) Know how much we love you and your dear family. We bless you in your new ministry assignment, God is good, Don and Diane. And this is the uh, new Living, brand new Fire Bible, New Living Translation. And I'm sure the board asked you if you already had a Bible. You do, don't you? I, do. I gave you one when you were in Plainfield, so I know you have at least one. So thank here you go, God bless you. And Diane's gonna come and share a gift to Amy.
5: Up here, Amy. Okay. Ah, uh, Pastor Jeff, you got a Bible and a baton, so this is all for Amy. <laughs> she don't have to share. Okay. All right. Amy, you can take the fluff out of there. There's a card in there. Okay. That card is for you. Okay. Maybe for something in your new house. For you, not your kids, not Pastor Jeff. For you. Okay. <laughs> Do you understand? Okay. Um, <laughs> I, just wanted, I just wanted to say uh, a few words. Um, I was the, I know this is Amy, not her first rodeo, okay? But when, when I became a pastor's wife at 22, um, everyone, every, all the other pastor's wives before me had been the women's director, leading the women's ministry. Well, you know, I had an 18-month-old and I was pregnant. And so they had these plans for me. Well, I just want to make it real clear today that Amy is not Sue and Amy is not Shelly. Amy is her own person with God-given gifts to walk beside this man and to take care of him and eight eight other kids. So I know Sue and Shelly we're wonderful women of God serving this congregation. And Amy is too. I mean, I am, I've, I've been in a real struggle with all of this because I love them so much. And you have taken them from us. <clears throat> But I couldn't be more proud. It's almost like it's your kids, you know, and you're pushing them out of the nest. But I'm just so thrilled, and I just want you to know, Amy is a very, very gifted and loving woman of God. A servant of the Lord, and I just want you to know to honor her, but be respectful of who she is and the gifts that she has to give to this congregation. So while you're missing us and thinking about us and then maybe Pastor Jeff, you know, gives you some stuff to do or someone, someone shares something with you in confidence and you get to the point after you've been here a little while and you've got all settled and moved in, you know, there's things that just are, you, you just don't know what else to do other than to call on the Lord and to open your Bible and have a time of prayer. And this is what he's going to say. Oh, there's a glare here. I call on you, O God, for you will answer me, give ear to me, and hear my prayer from Psalm 17, 6. I want you to know and you to be reminded. I'm thinking about you. I love you, Amy. And um, the Indiana District loves you. We're always in your corner. We're supporting you. And if you ever want to come and visit, you can.
0: Would you stand with me and point your hand toward this direction? And Diane, would you come around and stand with Amy? Father, I know that normally we would do this at the end of the service, but I just want to say right now during this time, as we've heard from these two great men of God who've pastored this church, this couple is very special to you, very special to us. Their kids are very special to us. I pray an increased anointing beyond... What Pastor Jeff has carried. I pray for an increased anointing upon Amy. I pray for what we prayed for over and over again at District Council this year, for notable and extraordinary miracles to take place through the body of Christ at Connection Point Church that reach around this world. And this would be a sending church. It already is, but it might be more of a sending church. And Lord, Pastor Jeff gets a chance, Lord, out of his own ministry to fill some of those places in Indiana that do not have an Assembly of God church. And I just pray for wisdom wisdom yes. and anointing and favor and health and prosperity in Jesus name amen amen, amen. amen. god bless you we love you amen love you Amen, amen. amen. praise the lord keep standing white and we're going to read from the word of god Eli, look around at Linda and see if she's okay. Let me make sure Linda's okay. I want to read just two verses from the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. These are verses that Pastor Jeff believes in with all of his heart. And he himself, being Jesus gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping. That word could read for the mending. That word could read for the preparing. That word could read for the aiming people in the right direction. That word could mean for the restoring of broken people. He's, he's given us the ministry for the equipping of the saints. This has kind of been a theme for this service all day so that they can do the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Holy Spirit, we have sensed you here in all the support of family and co-workers, and laborers, and those who have labored before. And Lord, you're doing a special thing today. And I pray, Lord, this would be the beginning of, Lord, we're going to build on the shoulders of those who have gone before us, and we're going to go faster and further and accomplish more because of the incredible foundation that's been laid in this church with Jesus being the chief cornerstone Welcome, Holy Spirit, to anoint our hearts and our ears as we receive your word in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated today. Paul told the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians nine twenty-seven, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. The message today is, To myself, to Pastor Jeff, to all of us, how many have been serving the Lord for 40 or 50 years? Would you put up your hands? Look around the room. You've been serving the Lord a long, long time. I want to tell you, the race is not over yet. We have not seen the finish line yet. We don't want to do all we have do have done and then begin to wane at the very end and lose out on what God has done through us. If you think, if you've done this a long time, that the tempter has gone away, he has not, but one day, God is going to cast that old devil into the bottomless pit, and we're going to live in the new heavens and the new earth with no devil. But right now, we got to tend with him, and we're going to tend with him as overcomers, amen? From the beginning all the way until the end. So I don't want to do anything to be disqualified in this race. Now, Pastor Jeff is young enough to be my son. As a matter of fact, he's younger than my oldest son. He is almost exactly the same age as our second born, our daughter, Angel. And uh, I love him like a son, but he's not a novice. And he and Amy are extremely gifted and anointed. And he's not too old to be reminded of what Paul told the younger preacher, probably younger than 40. I don't know if you want me to tell him how old you are, three. (laughs) I know how old he is. And uh, Paul said this to the younger preacher, Timothy, Do not let anyone despise your youth. Be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you, by prophecy, with the laying on of hands of the eldership. That happened this week with these men of God as elders laid their hands on them and ordained them into the full gospel ministry. Sue told about that in her life, the same time in Pastor Jeff's life. There are gifts that are given and imparted to us that we didn't have before, but that he puts upon us. A mantle that he wants us to wear. All we have to be willing to do is shoulder up humbly, Under the mantle, God gives us, and he will anoint us, and he will grant us wisdom. Now, Diane and I pastored only one church in our life, and we were there 26 years. I was 25, she was 22, and I've been back there a few times, and there's still a few old people left. They were old when I got there, and now they're really old. And uh, some of them uh, are still there, and and I've said to them on two occasions, For those of you who stayed with me when I was young, can I say to you two things, I'm sorry, (laughs) and thank you for helping me grow up to know how to pastor a congregation and how to pastor a church, and it's a privilege. It's a gift that Jesus has given to this church, the gift of pastor and teacher. I remember quitting my assignment twice in those 26 years. I was in such bad shape, some of you will remember Pastor Charles Hackett at then called First Assembly of God. He was the assistant superintendent. And when I quit, I called him. I didn't tell the board because I was afraid they wouldn't pay me and I needed what little money they did pay me. And, uh, and so I quit. I would call Pastor Hackett because when I called the district office, those guys were always traveling somewhere. They were never home. So when I came to the office, I said, I'm not going to say yes to every invitation because I want to be home enough to answer the phone to help preachers because they need help. I know they do. And so I would drive over to Lafayette about 45 minutes. I said, I know you're a pastor in a church that's got a lot of people and I know you're busy. He said, yes, I have an appointment with Don Gifford in 45 minutes. Be in my office. You know, I'd march around his office and cry and whine and tell about all the things that were going on. I wasn't mad at anybody. I just felt like somebody can do this better than me. Surely I should get out of the way and just give someone else a chance to do this. When your pastor went to Plainfield, Indiana, I remember very well going for that consecration service following a 35-year veteran. Hubert and Trudy Greer, and, uh, you know, Jeff's pretty strong-willed. Maybe you don't know that, but I know it. I don't know who he got that from. Okay, that's what I thought. They're, they're, they're pointing at each other. So a dual hard-headedness that he got in his life, and I remember he called me after he'd been to plane for about a year, and he said, Pastor Don, I've been here a whole year. I still don't know what I'm doing. And I said, I'm so proud of you, Jeff. I'm so grateful you don't know what you're doing. That will cause you to get on your knees and cry out to God, help me. I don't know what I'm doing. We all need to be poor in spirit, totally dependent upon God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I said, if you call me one day and say, I think I've got it figured out, I know what to do, then I'll be worried about you. Because when we think we know how, we don't know how. It's always to God be the glory under his direction. And I remember uh, when I came to the district office, uh, Pastor Hackett came to our church to preach, and the next day was election for a new superintendent. I was the assistant. I knew I'd get a few votes, but I thought people knew me well enough to not put me in this assignment. They say at council they pass the ballots. I don't believe that's true. I believe they put bullets in preacher's guns. (laughs) And so Pastor Hackett knew what I was thinking because over the years, when they put my name up for uh, student ministries director or executive secretary, that would have been a disaster. I have no administration. That's why I have Greg Allison. He reeks with it. And he would have been here today, but we had an emergency situation at one of our churches and one of us needed to be there for the pastor and his wife, and, and uh, he's very close to them, so that's why Greg is not here. Maybe I've said this to you before. I know that Pastor Jeff has heard me say this. How many have taken spiritual gifts tests before to try to discover who you are in the body of Christ? Can I see your hand taking those tests? You know, you take those tests, there's all those gifts on there and all those definitions, and, and, and administration is my third lowest gift. There are two that are lower. Celibacy, That's lower. Now, I can practice that if I have to, but I'm not really interested in it. And the other one is martyrdom. I give my life to be burned. Now, listen, you better be sure you have that gift because you only get one crack at using it. So I surround my people with who know what they're doing. So I thought people would know you can't put a non-administrator in the district office. And I wanted to get up and go to the microphone and say, I withdraw my name. And I said, Pastor, what would you do? He said, I'd leave my name. And he saw the blank look on my face. He said, are you sure? He said, yes. I said, why? Why would you do that to yourself? He said, because I want to be in the will of God, and if God wants me there, and I withdraw myself from the process, I would have answered to God, and so will you. Put the fear of God in me. So in fear and trembling, I left my name. I saw him at a council meeting several years ago, and I had the privilege of being one of the speakers at his funeral, who spoke life into me, and who helped me in He had already begun to have the beginnings of dementia. And he looked at me for a while before he figured out who I was. And then he said, I told you something one day. Do you remember it? I said, yes, sir. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing. And it's kind of bittersweet for us to have the Carlsons come here. But there's nothing I want more for Pastor Jeff and Amy than to be smack dab in the middle of the will of God. So we're thrilled that they're here, and we're thrilled that uh, we're, we're going to be able to come here until Jesus comes for minister's conference, because I'm kind of like his second dad. I'll just tell him, we're coming. I mean, Zach was so willing. I'd always have to call and hope he would say yes, but now I don't have to hope. I can just say, we're coming. <laughs> I quit my assignment at the district office only one time out loud in 18 and a half years. I was sitting on the porch. My phone rang, stupid when you're having your devotions outside to take your phone with you and uh, to leave it on. And I had three phone calls in a row that were not very nice. And, And I just stood up on my porch and out loud, I don't know if my neighbors heard me or not, I just said, I quit. And the Holy Spirit, son, get in the basement where your little office is and get out your Emotionally Healthy, Spiritually book and read chapter four when you hit the wall again. And I read that chapter over again, gave my life back to Jesus, and went back into the ministry. (laughs) And Pastor Jeff, I don't know if this will ever happen to you, but if you ever have a moment where you feel like you need to quit, you just drive over to the office, we'll go to the communion room, we'll have communion together, we'll pray together, I'll open the door and help you out the door right back into the ministry amen don't allow anybody to look down on you we are to be an example all of us believers are to be an example and a pattern for others to follow uh how many high school students do we have in the room i see a lot of young people in the room i know you don't believe it but i did go to high school um and they had high schools when i was that age and uh And 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 kids would would kinda poke fun of me and back in those days, Pastor Brush, you will know this. They called us holy rollers and people who swang from the chandeliers. I said, You gotta be kidding. If you think we got enough money to buy a chandelier, you think too highly of us. And we had Sunday services in the summer with funeral fans and we waved them because we had no air conditioning and the services were all hours long. I mean, you folks got it good. You don't know. But I'd bring my friends to to church on Sunday night and, and I would say on the way to church, Holy Spirit, I love you. I want you to be in charge, but be nice tonight. These kids have never been to a church like this. Don't go wild on them tonight, okay? Please, this is kind of sneak up on them. And you know what would happen? The wind would blow in that place, and they were shaking and quaking and falling and running and getting up out of wheelchairs. And I look at my friends; they were scared to death. But they said, I don't know what's going on in this service, but I can tell you it's causing the hair on my arms to stand up because there's something here I have never felt before in my life. Listen, don't be apologetic for the moving of the person of the Holy Spirit. He is God. God the Father and God the Son has sent him to be in charge of this church in this world. So be bold for Jesus. I have a friend named Ben, and uh, in high school, I said, Ben, you need to give your life to Jesus, and I remember he said to me, uh, you know what? I know I do, but I'm going to live my life and have fun, and when I get older, I'll give my life to Jesus. He says, you know the old saying, there's always time. He drove his 750 Honda off a dead-end street almost killed himself, was in the hospital. I walked into the room. God spared his life. Do you know God watches out for you even before you know him? And he spared that boy's life. And I walked into his room that was filled with guys from our high school, and Ben looked at me with tears in his eyes, and he said, there was no time had I died, I'd have went straight to hell. Then he looked around at our friends who were all sinners and he said, Don's getting ready to pray for me, so if you don't like it, get out now. <laughs> I, never I wouldn't have said that to them, because I wanted them there so I could lay hands on them. Live for Jesus. Never be ashamed of your testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be an example. Be an example in your speech and in your word. Something I learned from a journal that we're using in... Promoting 1 Corinthians one five says that you were enriched in everything by him in all speech and in all knowledge. Jesus touches you in everything you say and everything you do. When we talk about being members of the family of God, our value has skyrocketed. Whether you're the pastor of the church, whether you're the superintendent, whether you have no title, it does not matter position or title. When you belong to the King of kings and the Lord of lords and God is your father, You are enriched in everything. Your value has skyrocketed. Don't let anybody tell you you have no value. You have no worth because we belong to Jesus. So we have great value and we have great worth. I do wanna say this to Pastor Jeff because he is a little strong-willed. And at our staff meetings, he's always willing to share his opinions. over and over again. So I just want to remind you, let your speech be seasoned with salt and give as much grace as you've been given and that's a whole lot. (laughs) I wanna know every one of us need to give grace to everybody because how many need grace? I need a lot of grace so we offer a lot of grace Jen, who works outside my office next to Diane's desk, who's my administrator, every once in a while, she'll hear Diane say, Donald! She said, I just get up and close my door. (laughs) She said, Pastor Don gives everybody a lot of rope, and if he runs out of rope, he goes and buys more rope, and he just extends the rope so it's just on and on and on because we want to give grace because that's how God treats me. So I want to be example in my speech and in my conduct and in my lifestyle. And you know what, I think, I, I think our example is far more than in public, it needs to be in private, especially in our home. I don't know how you get paid in this church. Bi-weekly, monthly, bi-weekly. I just suggest you start paying them once a month because that'll cut down on the turmoil. It'll be just once a month they have to pay the bills. And then they'll, you know, when we, we used to get paid once a week. And I, I'm kind of embarrassed to tell you this story, but it's a true story. Not that everything else I've said is lies, but uh, <laughs> this is a true story. Uh, we got paid every week on Wednesday night, and so we'd pay our bills, and, and our kids were getting older, and so they you know, you pay for sports equipment, and you pay for music lessons, and you pay for voice lessons, and you pay, and you pay, and you pay, and you, pay, and you have eight children, so Christmas is like, Jesus helped send, send the rain in my house, and abundantly bless us and and Diane and I have 16 grandkids and two great grandkids and those kids are marrying people that we have to buy gifts for every year whether we want to or not and so Christmas is very very expensive we need the Lord's help so we're paying our bills on a Wednesday night and uh, I mean we're out of money and I was a youth pastor and made more money than I did as a senior pastor and I was still the youth pastor and and the Bible quiz director and all those kind of things and we're paying our bills and it was just frustrating I was just frustrated. Anybody get frustrated? I've told pe- some people have told me when you preach, we see the glory of God. I said, come to my house and we're paying the bill. See if you see it. <laughs> Get in my car when we're driving around four hundred and sixty-five, and people are telling me I'm number one. See if you see the glory of God. <laughs> see if you see it then. So one night I was so frustrated because I didn't have enough money to pay all the bills and I just got my wallet and I took everything out of my, threw it in the air, threw the checkbook in the air, threw the credit cards in the air and I said, take it all, take it all, take it all. <laughs> now, I repented and changed and I'm better now. Kids are all gone. <laughs> 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 and uh, it's just Diane and I and some of you who are crying over emptiness. empty nests. let me tell you, it's not so bad. takes a little time to get used to it, but it's not so bad. So be an example in your speech and in your word. Be an example in your conduct, in your life, not just publicly, but privately. I want to say this about your pastor that I have so deeply appreciated. When he came to Plainfield to follow Pastor Greer, um, and Pastor Greer was going to stay in the church under one condition, and he told the congregation, if you ever come to me with a problem you have, I will not stay in this church. I am not the pastor of this church anymore. Am I telling the truth? He said, you have a new pastor. Pastor Greer honored the Carlsons, even though he's a 26-year-old young man. And he honored them to the day they both died And he honored them and preached their funeral. And one of their children, Linda, is still working with him. Can I tell you, because he honors, God will honor him. And if we learn honor, it will invite the manifested presence of God into our midst. Honor always brings the presence of God. I don't want to live without the presence of God. So that's the kind of leader that you have. I want to say something. Paul Paul writes words to Timothy about modesty for women in the church in First Timothy 2, he said, in like manner also the women adorn themselves in modest apparel with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or girl, gold or pearls or costly clothing, but what is proper for a woman professing godliness with good works. I want to tell you character is one of the greatest things that people should see in our life, but I want to tell you that this lady sitting on the front row has always been a modest lady. And she's going to teach that to the younger girls in this church, how many know, I, I'm not talking about not wearing makeup and all that kind of stuff, but I am telling you, there is. we are We are not like the world. We should not dress like the world. We should not look like the world. We need to look like we we belong to the, we don't act like the world. We act like the family of God. Amen? I wanted to get more amens, but I knew I wouldn't. And Amy is a woman of, woman of God with great grace and great dignity that she has this has been a long two years for the church and just about the time I think the pandemic is over and nobody's calling me with COVID the last three weeks I've been getting calls regularly I got one last night a young preacher filling in saying Pastor Don I'm sick I've got COVID I need someone to go and preach for me this Sunday and so I began to get called. So, listen, that's not over. Let's pray that that virus be destroyed and be gone forever and ever. But we're going to go forward. We're going to live for God. But we've watched through some tough times. But, you know, we're not just concerned. We're not concerned about, you know, I have opinions about leadership and what they do and what they don't do. But the greatest problem I have is not just the devil. It's with the guy that I shaved this morning. That guy gives me trouble. So I don't have time to criticize how somebody else handles things. I need to worry about me and my responsibility before the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul says to the elders at Ephesus, keep watch over yourself and the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer. For every preacher in the room, for every leader in the room, it always starts with ourselves before it bleeds out to those that we are leading. And our our behavior should line up to what we say we believe and our behavior and our progress in spirituality. According to 1 Timothy 4.15 says, your progress should be evident to everybody. My neighbors should know. My neighbors should know that I serve Jesus. I got a neighbor on the right side. As soon as I, we moved a little over a year ago, and my neighbor on the right side was a traveling pharmacist and uh, strong opinionated individual about my age and he's now retired so I see him out working in the yard for his wife and doing everything she tells him to do and I thought wow this is just like being home and uh, and he said to me come over anytime I make my own beer and it's pretty good I said thank you that's very kind but I probably won't be doing that but I will come over but I'm not going to drink your beer I said it nice And we're still friends. You know, you can stand up for what your morals are and your convictions are, right? And so we need to be examples in everything. And everybody around us needs to know. I have a neighbor lady on the end who used to be, uh, what's his name, moving to Georgia in a few days that works at River City. Say it again. I can't hear you. I'm old. Todd Tyson's moving to Georgia. She was his fourth grade Sunday school teacher. And she's at the corner of our block. And she's kind of like, I have three cul-de-sacs. That's all less than 30 houses where I live. It's wonderful. It's quiet. But I have this gal who was a school teacher and she tells everybody who I am and what I do. So when I see him out in the yard, you know, when you live in places, garage door goes up, garage door goes down, you hardly ever see anybody. So if they're out in the yard, you run over as soon as they come out in the yard and grab them and introduce yourself to them. And I I stopped at the man who kind of runs those three cul-de-sacs. I'd never seen him before, but they told me his name was John. He was out in the yard. I said, John, I'm Don. I moved in that house. He said, oh, you're the traveling preacher. I knew she'd been there. First time I'd ever seen him. Let your progress be evident to everybody. Watch your life and your doctrine. I just finished the book of Second Chronicles in my Bible reading. It's a sad verse to read. Solomon in his later years, he declined spiritually and turned away from God. How many know that your life doesn't just affect you, it affects everybody around you? My sin doesn't just affect me, it affects my wife, it affects my kids, it affects my grandkids. Our life is sometimes the only book that people will ever read concerning the Word of God. So we keep a firm grip on our character and on our teaching, and we practice it. I want to quickly come to a close, if I can do that in Maybe our gal who plays the keyboard or someone could come to the platform. If you'll start playing, it will help me close faster. (laughs) Not fast enough for some of you, but close faster. You know, when I read the book of Hebrews, um, it puts the fear of God in me. Because Hebrews tells us about our spiritual immaturity, and it talks to us about the danger of falling away and the danger of spiritually drifting away or becoming hard in our heart. I've often thought about the passage in Matthew 7, 21 through 23, when Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. One translation says, you that work iniquity. I've wondered, who are those people that are going to be standing outside the door? Obviously, I believe they're going to be church people, people who have went to church, people who have worked in the church, but they've had a private secret life that they have practiced sin. And, and listen, I think it's hard to backslide. It's just very, very hard because God's grace is beyond my, my imagination. But when you read the book of Hebrews, if we deliberately practice sin and we don't confess it and repent from it and turn from it, how many know there's a, dif- there's a difference between confession and repentance? There's a difference. I went to a board meeting one night, not like the board meeting I came to at your church, which was wonderful. And I walked into that board meeting, and I saw in my mind I saw a a picture of a gallows with a rope about the size of my neck. I saw it. I could visually see it. And I had never met these guys before. And uh, I knew that uh, they disrespected the district office and they disrespected me and they never met me. And so when I saw that in the spirit realm, I said to those guys, I said, guys, I said, can I just say this to you? Let me talk a little while and give you a reason to not like me. Don't just not like me right out of the box. And then I said to them, you've had two previous pastors who have committed gross sin and they've been dismissed from the sons of God and they have wrecked your church and they have taught you to be untrusting and now you're mistreating the new pastor because you're angry at those other two guys. So I've come tonight to just say to you, I want you to forgive me because I represent the Assembly of God Pastor. Forgive me for what I've done to you and cause you to feel the way that you do. And they began to cry. They had godly sorrow. They shed tears and they began to confess. I stayed and preached the Wednesday night Bible study and had communion with the congregation, prayed over the board, and walked out to my car, and one of the leaders of the board followed me to the car. I'll never forget this. And he said to me, he said, would you leave the district office and come and be our pastor? And, 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 and in my flesh, this is what I wanted to say. I've seen you cry. I've heard you confess, but I don't know if you've repented or not. That remains to be seen. And besides that, do I have a bright light shining on my forehead that says, stupid? I want to tell you that they didn't repent. They confessed, but they didn't repent. There's a difference. Listen, I don't want to be standing on the outside and say, I was this, I was this, I was this, I was this, and God say, sorry, you had a secret life on the side that you never brought before me. You never took care of You confess sometimes, but you never change, you never repented, you never turned around. You never let regeneration take a hold of your life. So there's always this danger of drifting if we ignore our salvation. Hebrews 3 says, see to it brothers that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Hebrews chapter 5 says, I couldn't feed you with solid food because you were too immature. Hebrews chapter 6 talks about the serious danger of falling away. In Hebrews chapter 10, deliberate practice of sin after having received the truth brings a fearful expectation of judgment and raging fire. When I read those words, it puts the fear of God in me about my life publicly and privately, especially in my household. We had a lot of sacred moments at District Council. But one of the most sacred moments was, I'm sitting in the front row on Tuesday morning, we're honoring all of our admins at the office. We have five ministers who've been ordained for 50 years. And I knew the speaker was gonna be long, and that was me. And we had communion service, and then we had missions banquet. And I looked across the room And I saw all these preachers' kids, early 20s up to their 40s, and the Holy Spirit said, you call them forward and have hands laid on them. They've made it through some tough stuff, and they're here. And I didn't count them. How many do you think came? A hundred? At least. I was overwhelmed at how many of our preachers' kids are still serving God out of the preacher's house. My desire for Jeff and Amy is that when their kids grow up, you got one graduating in just a few days, and another right on her heels, and these are great kids. But if Jesus tarries, and I'm still alive, I'd like to see them all graduate and love Jesus with all their heart. Listen, you can have a part in that if you respect and honor these kids just like you do their mom and dad. They're valuable. This lady is Pastor Jeff's first responsibility. His children are his second responsibility. And pastoring this church is his third responsibility. Some people act like their kids are their first responsibility. They're not. Listen, they're going to leave you. You hope. honor these kids don't ever say smart aleck things to them about being a preacher's kids love them they have a hard task they have a hard assignment everybody's watching the preachers kids when I saw those preachers kids come forward my heart was broken they made it they made it we want your kids to make it amen we want your kids Michael to make it and serve God all of their life. I put together a little outline, Watch Your Life, L-I-F-E, your love for God, spouse, family, and your love for your enemies. I had a man and his wife who tried to take me out for four years, said things about me, did things to try to take me out. And years have passed, and every time I go into the prayer room at the district office, I say, Jesus, I forgive so-and-so. And I hadn't seen them in a long time. When I saw them, I, a big smile came across my face, and I was happy to see them. And one of them I went over and hugged him and I said, I'm so glad to see you. And I walked away. The Holy Spirit said, one of those times you forgave them, you must have really done it. How many have been there? It's not an emotion, is it? It's an act of your will. So we love God, our spouse, family, and our enemies, and we walk in integrity in the way that we handle our morals, and our marriage, and our money. And we walk with our family, and we walk as an example to others who are around us. I want to read our text verse, 1 Timothy four sixteen. It says, give attention to yourself and to teaching. No matter how correct your doctrine might be, if there is a flaw in your life, in your character, in your integrity, Your ministry will be ineffective. I'd like us to all stand together if we could please. Pastor Jeff was right this consecration service today is just not about he and his lovely wife and his family but it's about every one of us. Those who are at the district office know this verse because I quote it quite frequently but I want to read it to you from the book of Mark chapter 3 verse 13 Jesus went up on the mountain and called to him those he himself wanted and they came to him Jesus has called Pastor Jeff and Amy he wanted them and he answered the call to say yes to become your pastor the Bible says then he appointed 12 that they might be with him Then he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out devils. I want to tell you, when we get to heaven, we won't be preaching. We'll be testifying, but we won't be preaching because everybody there is going to know Jesus. When we get to heaven, we're not going to have to worry about casting out the devil because he's already going to be burning, falling forever. We'll never have to deal with him again. We're not going to have to lay hands on sick people and see them be healed because everybody's going to be well. For those of you who are in the building and you have the faith of God so strong that you're going to live forever in your tabernacle, you go for it. But I want a new tent. That's a spiritual tent. I am, as some of you are, a fulfillment of the scripture the outward man wastes away. Every day I see it. I ran yesterday with a friend four and a half miles. He said, your gait is pretty good. I said, well, I got two injuries on the left side and two injuries on the right side, so therefore I'm even. But the inward man is renewed. That's where I want to live. The inward man is renewed day by day. That's where I want to live. I'd like for heads to be bowed and eyes to be closed for just a moment. If you're here during this consecration service and say, you know, I'm not for certain if I were to die today that I'd go to heaven. Matter of fact, I have some sin that I have not really, maybe I've confessed it, but I haven't really repented of. Maybe some forgiveness issues, maybe some attitude issues, maybe some motive issues. Maybe you've been hurt, even by somebody in the church, or maybe even by a preacher But you've been harboring that. And if you're here today and you just be real honest and say, you know, I'm in this consecration service and I'd like to consecrate myself totally to the Lord and I'd like that stuff to be taken care of today. Would you just slip up your hands and say, pray for me, I need some forgiveness in areas of my life. Just put your hands up. God bless you. Others, just put your hands up real high. Just put them up high. I see hands going up throughout the building. I believe in every section i i can't i can see some in the balcony it's hard to see there but hands going up saying i want this to be a day of consecration of my life to the lord i'm going to ask pastor jeff to come to the platform and he's going to lead us in a prayer for those who are coming but if you're not ashamed of jesus and you'll publicly confess him before this congregation he said he'll confess you before his father who is in heaven and if you raise your hand Come out of the balcony, just begin to come right now. Come from the back row in these middle aisles. Look around. Make sure people have an easy access out of the place where you're sitting and begin to come to the front. Will you come? Go ahead. Somebody always has to be first. This young man is first. Several others have your hands raised. Come and stand with us right across the front. Say I want this to be a day of consecration in my life. Are they really coming out of the balcony? Several hands that went up. Come on, meet us here. They're beginning to come. You know. I want you to be such a great pastor that there's such power of conviction that when you give the altar call, people run to the altar. They run to the altar because we're not ashamed of Jesus. And listen, there's no condemnation here because there's no sinless people here. Not me. No condemnation here. But we have conviction. Are there others that need to come? Just come. This pastor leads us in this consecration prayer. Come and lead us, pastor, if you would.
6: Can I get somebody to come stand with each of these? Just come right beside them. Staff or our deacons, youth leaders. Would you just stretch your hands towards the Lord right now, would you? All over the room, but especially you here. I'm going to pray a prayer, but as I pray, would you just talk to the Lord for yourself? Would you just mention to the Lord those things that have brought you To the altar this morning. He already knows, but he wants you to say it. He wants you to express that to him. So, Father, I thank you for the strong call of God. I thank you for the sacrifice that Jesus made for us so that we could respond, Lord, to the gospel and come and give these things over to you. So, Father, I pray for each of these that are standing here and many, maybe who should have come but didn't come, God, but it's It's not too late to call on your name. So, Lord, I pray as we call on your name right now that you would meet us in this moment, that you would come and and redeem and restore and strengthen, God, that you would remove iniquity, God, that you would remove even generational iniquity, God. Lord, that you would set free those that are bound by sin and brokenness. God, that miracles would begin to take place in the lives of these people, God, as they respond to you. Lord, you are so faithful To bring life where the enemy has pronounced death. You are so faithful, God, to restore what has been destroyed by the work of darkness. So, Jesus, we receive right now the spirit of the sovereign Lord to bring life to these wonderful people. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing and the plan of God that you have for each of their lives. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name in Jesus' name. All over the room, can we just, before we're dismissed, could you lift your hands to the Lord and worship him? Just one more moment. Come on, let's just lift our voice to the Lord. God, thank you for an awesome day. Thank you for an awesome presence. Thank you that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is in the house today. And God, you're not going to stay here, but you're going to go with us as we leave this building. God, as we go about our lives, as we go back to our work and our school, Lord, and, and do the things that we have to do, God, the spirit of God is going with us, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead resides in us and is going before us every moment of every day, giving us the things to say, showing us where we should walk, giving us the spiritual power to to stand against darkness and to fulfill the work that you've called us to do in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. I thank you for that promise. I thank you for the power of God at work within us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Lord is good. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's give him a clap offering. Bless you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Will I speak blessing over you? May the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. May he be gracious unto you and give favor into your life may he give you peace. God bless you as you go. Have a great week. We have some treats for you on the way out. I hope you enjoy it. Eat it before you go. It might melt. Love you guys. Have a great, great day.